And now, another cup of... The London Fog. All right, we are back. It may not seem like it to you guys, because we gave you that special episode this week, but we haven't recorded in a while. I know, it's been how long? Two weeks? Three. Three weeks? Yeah, three weeks. But now, you, our people, we're like caught up. We're all like now running at the same pace. Yeah, that's true, because we had pre-recorded a few episodes. We knew there were vacations coming up, but now this is real time. Real time. So. <laughs> well, actually, it's still probably about a week ahead. But, <laughs> but there you go. But, you know... That, it's as close as yeah. you'll ever get to us. It's a week ahead because we work hard to make this beautiful for you. Quality production yes. work here. Yes. <laughs> so, do you want to tell the people where you were at? Oh, yeah. You know what? So, I went to Australia, and I went to New Zealand... I feel like while I was there, I thought of things to say, to tell the masses. I just knew it was a penal colony for the UK, you know, there for quite some time and how it started. So I thought we could just tie in those roots. But that's pretty much all I know about Australia. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't think it lasted that long. Ignorance. But you know what? I should know because I did go to a museum about it. Nice. (laughs) Well educated. It wasn't as long as, as long as you would think. Um... Really? Seeing, I guess that's, seeing that it's the one thing I know about Australia, you think it would have been like ages, but. No, but interesting, funny thing is that, you know, they sent all the men there that were convicted and and not that many women were convicted of crimes to send. So then they did this thing where they like, um, hired a lot of orphan women uh, as like they were like you know like if you're like an orphan woman they'd be like here we'll give you a job oh, in Australia no. so you so they like send them over to be like maids and stuff so that there would be more women there that's like the saddest thing I've heard but I've actually I've got a book on my bookshelf right over there have you read A Town Like Alice it sounds very familiar so I want to say I have it's about read it. Alice Springs and it's about like this you know this woman that starts in some British military office in like India or something anyway it's like a World War II story oh. that then takes to Australia but it's yeah. just that she like shows up and she's like I'm the only woman here interestingly I, the I thought was interesting is you know like your whole life, you you know you learn history about World War Two or whatever. So we, um, and and I feel like I even knew like British history of World War Two before mm-hmm. the U.S. got in. Yeah. But we went to this military museum in New Zealand and was talking about like New Zealand what they were doing in the war and like oh. you're reading about it and you're like what were they doing in Egypt? Did I know that anything was happening in Egypt during World War II? Like, Where did know. the people come from? It the was, Kiwis. It was just really interesting to like see the war, even though they were like obviously oh, our sure. allies, but just like the stuff that they were doing was not the stuff that they teach us in history class. No, here. and I mean all of like our terrible things from the U.S. that we don't talk about, but it's like vice versa. When I was over in Germany, you're all like, this is odd. Actually, the Germans were very humble about their, like, this is what happened. Shit got real. It wasn't great. 
the Austrians were the ones that were all like, we don't know. We don't, what, what years are you talking about? And I was all like, what are you, what do you mean? And it's like, the, the history museum just like has a block of years that are missing. <laughs> you just walk through that part of the museum. It's just empty. Uh, anyway, anyway, enough about Austria. Uh, yeah, what does that have to do with anything? So while we were out, which you, I don't, we don't need to say that because nobody cares. Nobody knows, um, but they should know. Yeah. Hi guys, we're back. We got some emails. That's emails. right. So in case guys, you... I'm so excited. Didn't you get like so excited? Oh, yeah. But I just want to remind everyone that you can email us. Yes. At londonfogpodcast at gmail dot com. So Yay. please send us an email because we will read it and answer you. An answer. Until we get so popular that we have to hire someone else to answer for us. But for now, we're answering. <laughs> but we're so popular now. And you know what? If you're a good friend of ours and you haven't emailed us shame. and you're listening to our podcast, yeah, shame on you. Shame. Like We've Game of Thrones. Clearly shame. begging for emails. <laughs> How many times have we done shameless plugs? Austin, this is for you. <laughs> Okay, sorry. So, email that we got from Aaron. Aaron B. We won't put last yeah, names yeah. on here just in case that you're, like, afraid your identity or you don't want to be known as a foggy. I've been trying to think what foggy? our... A foggy? Can that be our fan people names? Yeah. I think it's funny. cute that's being a foggy. Cute. That's pretty cute. Maybe I'll make a shirt that says that and we can send it to Aaron because she sent us an email. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> We should send Aaron. We've made stickers. Oh, Leah made stickers, yeah. and we've been slapping them on everything. So maybe I, if you write us an everything. email, we'll make like a small little care package. And if you uh, happen to live in Sydney, Australia, and you can find where I stuck our sticker, <laughs> there will be a secret prize for you. Yeah, take a picture of it. Yeah, tag us in an Instagram post, and we will send you something exciting. Yes, but okay. So back to Erin. She yeah. was the best. I mean, we got a couple, but hers was my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. So I just, so one thing that we've been talking about recently a lot. Obviously, our last episode was weddings, and we talked about Victoria and Albert's wedding. So one thing that she yeah. note that she sent to us was that she heard that. Um, white wedding people didn't really wear white wedding dress because they would get dirty so fast, and they could, so they could only be worn once. So because of that, if only if you were really wealthy, mm. would you wear a white wedding dress because it would show that you could afford to have a fancy dress made that you would only wear once. That's true, and I mean, well, isn't that wedding dresses now? That's a good point. The you bottom know? of my wedding dress was so dirty by the end of the oh. day. <laughs> yeah, I only can imagine. Then it costs a fortune to get that like dry clean. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Not me. So do you want to, is there anything else that we, I mean, she gave us a lot of good notes. That was a really important one. A great one. I think everybody and their dog is helping me figure out that it's, that I should be saying Fagin, Michael Fagin, and not <laughs> Fagin. It looks like Fagin, okay, but <laughs> she thinks it's Fagin. I've had a couple of friends say Fagin, so little change up there, but Erin, you are a complete gem. She gave us, like, little cute notes and anecdotes from each and every episode. So, we love you. Stay with us, Erin. <laughs> <laughs> These are getting better as we go along. Oh, my goodness. Oh, can I just say one thing, though, before we, like, jump into our episode today? Yeah. It's super important. I finished 
Downton. Oh, <laughs> that's amazing. It's very I mean, impressive. I guess we haven't recorded in a while, so it makes sense that you would have. It took a while. <laughs> it took a bit. But I finished. It was lovely. And now I am back to The Crown. Mind you, I'm rewatching the second season because I'm really excited about the third season. Um, I don't think I finished the second season. That's I think so I watched good. like halfway through. But you know, you kind of have to be in the right mood. You to do watch have to be in the right like mood. And I find that it's the sort of thing that kind of once you've watched it once, it loses a little bit of its splendor. It's kind of like dry in a yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. So what you going to do? But I wanted y'all to know that I had finished Downton Abbey, just in case people were wondering. And I'm proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> I am. Um, I just wanted to mention one more thing. So Erin oh, sent us a couple emails, but this one I thought was funny because it just, see, so like if anybody listening to this is actually British, tell us how you feel about this. Because she said that in, when we talked about worm charming, we said that there was no prize except for the glory and the bragging rights of winning. And then she mentioned that in the Great British Baking Show, which I haven't watched. I haven't watched and it either. I think we should watch it together. I mean, Maybe we can do a live watching <laughs> um she said that there's no real prize except for a cake stand and bragging rights which oh. to me does not seem like a good prize for a tv show so she was asking us if that's a british thing that you just do things for the glory <laughs> which i kind of think it might be because that's a good point like people i mean in like old books and stuff they're always like just they're, doing things because they're like so pride or the whatever british pride that's just yeah so do british people not care about prizes because i Americans care about freaking do <laughs> yes we love <laughs> prizes and bring yeah. on the prize money the random doodad i'm sure they have like a cup or something you know that's probably very classy yeah. where we get like well, okay a goblet trophy <laughs> in the goblet of fire Bringing this back to Harry Potter. Bringing it back to JK. <laughs> he, the, the winner does get a monetary prize. Okay. So at least British wizards <laughs> like to have prizes. Well, us muggle folk. <laughs> Apparently, just Don't, get a cake. Yeah, just or get nothing. A, or nothing. Or a worm. The <laughs> glory. Anyway, if you know, please message yeah. us because we don't want to look it up. Let us know. Okay. I say we jump into it. Okay. I, do you want to, no, I'll introduce, okay. so we're talking about our romance yes, again. Yes, we're back to romance. I feel like we're going to talk about romance a lot, because who wants to hear about things that aren't romantic? <laughs> well, I feel like I took a page out of your own book, because mine is a Debbie Downer. But see, <laughs> romances that are downers are even better. It, like, started out, like, I was like, this is iconic. This is perfect. And then it just got worse and worse. <laughs> so, with that, should, do you want me to start with a downer? I feel like we like to save the downer for the end. <laughs> it's just how we like to do yeah, things here I at the London Fog. Think. So, mine is, like... Tell I, me a story, Leah. Mine is not a downer. So... I mean, they're both dead now, but that's okay. That's, that's just history. It so is. People die. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I could start unless we... Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't feel like mine is, like, particularly happy either. It's just, like, a nice little story. I'm ready for a good story. Yeah. I'm going to snuggle up. So, I wanted to talk about the Churchills. 
Oh, excellent. Mostly because, do you know Winston Churchill's wife's name? Ooh, I've watched The Crown season one. Oh my gosh, this is what I was going to tell, this is what I was going to say about my trip. That just reminded me. Okay, by the way, Winston Churchill's wife's name was Clementine, which I think is adorable. That is super cute. Um, But okay, so I was on this flight to Sydney. It's 17 and a half hours. Shoot me. Uh, I, I was sitting next to this man, and there's a lot of like free movies and stuff that you can watch on. And he was the one that found the one that's like practically porn. I no, always no, seem no, to sit no. next to that this guy, is, and I'm always like, oh. He had a more interesting obsession that has oh. to do with my topic, oh, okay. which inspired my topic. <laughs> is there? I don't know if you noticed the last like year or two, there have been like 50 movies that have come out about Winston Churchill or yeah. or he's in the movie at yeah. some point. He watched every single one of them. For Ooh. like seriously, <laughs> I feel like on the like the options there was like six different movies that had Winston Churchill in them and he watched all of them right. in a row. That's that's too heavy. That's too deep. Right? I was like this <laughs> this is an airplane. You should that's why watching you, romantic comedies. Rom-coms, Marvel movies, yeah. shit that doesn't make any sense just to pass the time. Something that you would never watch in real life because you can watch anything in the sky and you chose yeah, Churchill. Exactly. Yeah, hmm. I thought it was really weird, but then I was like, all right, let's talk about Churchill. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. Which, okay, another side note. Uh, <laughs> Wave that hand if, <laughs> like the people can see it. <laughs> I just need you to focus. Okay. I'm focused. I'm just kidding. Is anybody listening? If you go to London, or if you've been, and if you haven't been to the Churchill War Rooms, that is the best museum I've been to in my entire life. Like when you when you're looking at museums in London, you'll be like, oh my gosh, there's so many museums. Oh, I don't really need to. I can skip this. Whatever. Yeah. Don't skip it. It's amazing. I love Let it. Let me just tell you. So everybody go there. We should make a travel guide. We should. Okay. Except We're, all the British people will be like, you fools. <laughs> Our travel guide is going to be amazing, and we're going to start... It'll be so good. ...posting about it. <laughs> okay, I'm um, ready. Churchill okay. glory. So, sorry. I'm, like, making a note about the war rooms. Okay. <laughs> so, let's talk about Clementine. Clementine was born in 1885. Which I think is so funny, because she died in 1977, and for some reason, 1885 seems so long ago, yeah. but 1977 doesn't. No. <laughs> but um, her maiden name was Hozier? Okay. I don't know. H-O-Z-I-E-R. I like it. So it said, so she was born to aristocratic parents. It doesn't, I didn't look up, like... What they are, but her her mom went by Lady Blanche, so okay. she was you so know. she had some land, she had some money at yeah. least. So it said that her early life was lonely and marked by rumor and scandal because I guess her parents, Lady Blanche and Henry Montague Hosier, they despised each other, oh. and they were known for being like so famously unfaithful to each other that everyone they knew assumed that none of their children were fathered by her father. Oh shit! Right? <laughs> like, oh. yeah. So then he left her mother when she was six, and it her, it plunged their family into poverty because oh. her mother was a notorious gambler. <laughs> right. Mama's got to win herself a new pair of shoes. I mean, when she's six, it's only 1891, which is like, yeah, I don't know. That's so long ago. And I guess 
people gambled a lot. I mean, if you read a lot of Regency romances, it's true. they were all gamblers. They were gamblers. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, so back then, like when Clementine was, you know, like eighteen. That's back when women were still like debutantes and they were launched into society. So her mom thought that her bad reputation was going to be bad for her daughter, obviously. Oh. And so one of her wealthy aunts uh, launched her into society. Um, yeah, so anyway, I don't know. Apparently that gave Clementine lifelong anxiety and lack of confidence. I don't know why I wrote that down. That really has nothing to do with their life I like story. it. I know those little <laughs> tidbits are my favorite. Um, so, anyway. Speaking... So, now now to Winston. So, Winston's full name is Winston Leonard Spencer Dash Churchill. He was born in Oxfordshire. Another, another travel tip. Um, if you never been to Blenheim Palace, that is where Winston Churchill was born. It is amazing. One of like the best arist- old aristocratic houses to visit in the UK. And if you go the library, it's like you're in the Beauty and the Beast library. Add it to the travel guide. Yes. <laughs> so any- oh. making a note. <laughs> you know, I didn't realize I'd like been to so many places associated with Winston Churchill. So we started talking. Okay. So he was also born to aristocratic family. He was the son of Lord Randolph Churchill and Jenny Jerome. Um, When he, you know, back when Clementine was being launched into society, he was in the British Army and he saw action in India, um, the Anglo-Sudan War, the Second Boer War. I don't know these wars. We don't learn about them in America. Um, (laughs) Sorry. um, I guess he got kind of famous because he was a war correspondent and he wrote some books about his campaigns. So, um... Anyway, he was elected as an MP in 1900. This I thought was funny. He was elected as a conservative, and then he, like, ditched them and became a liberal in 1904. So, but I guess it kind of makes sense. He was kind of young, and I feel like between your 20s and 30s, your political views change a lot. Yeah. But, um, so he also had a really lonely childhood, which I guess is why people think they were so, like... Did any child in the late 1800s have, like, a caring, loving relationship with their parents? Especially not, like, aristocratic kids. It said that his closest childhood relationship was with his nanny, and his parents would leave him at school and neglect him, which I'm like, isn't that normal for that time period? Oh, jeez. Right? Like, if you're rich, you... Which her name was, like, Frau Gertrude or something, and she was (laughs) from Coburg. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, so he, yeah, but he, like, always wanted a career in politics, which I guess makes sense, because if his father was a lord, he probably was, you know, involved in all that. Yeah. Um, so he used his, like, wartime actions to bring him, like, fame and bring him into politics. So in 1904, when Clementine is 19, she goes to a dance, and Winston Churchill is there. Winston Churchill is 29. Okay. So, 10-year difference. I don't know why I said it like that. I think that was really, really normal in 1904. Yeah, I was about to say, but, you know, that's pretty much normal um, now. <laughs> so, he was already a member of Parliament. He was, you know... Dang, at 29. He, yeah, he hmm. was known for his ambition, and I guess he had a dramatic escape from captivity during the Second Boer War. Um, but when Clem and I met him, she was not impressed by him because... He didn't ask her to dance. A quote from her was, Winston just stared. He never uttered one word. So (laughs) 
I like to think that he was just like stunned by her and had no words, but apparently, I don't know, for an ambitious man, it seems weird he didn't ask her to dance. Oh, he's probably, all smart men are like stuck in their heads. Yeah, that's true. So, so that was the first time they met when she was 19. Four years later, when she's 23 and he's 33, they run into each other again at a dinner party. Mm -hmm. So he likes her a little more. She likes him a little more. Um, They have about like five months of like just running into each other because they're kind of in the same social circle. (laughs) Um, They write a lot of letters. And um, during a house party at Blenheim Palace, where Winston was born, um, he proposes to her in a small summer house known as the Temple of Diana. Aww. Which I just have to say, good move, Winston, because that tr- that house is awesome. And probably she was like, "So you're gonna propose to me, and that means I can hang out here." <laughs> no. No. Deal sold. Yeah. So this is kind of funny. Is it says that the announcement devastated Violet Asquith, whom <gasps> Churchill later admitted he was practically engaged to before he proposed to Clementine. Oh no! And apparently Clementine had also <sighs> been engaged twice before. Oh, geez. So, you know, they were just breaking hearts left and right. Um, so Clementine was really ambitious, uh, but, she said, but she just poured all of her ambition into her husband. So he was already pretty ambitious. She just, like, doubled that up. She said once that she would have loved to have been a statesman in her own right if only she had been born with trousers rather than petticoats. Oh, that's such a great quote. I just would have said, been born with a dick, but... <laughs> Yeah, we don't say that. that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, so yeah, basically she just supported him in everything. Like, he risks everything to try to become prime minister. I mean, he goes to volunteer to fight in the trenches even after he's, like, not... Like, after he's out of the army, just to, like, prove himself in World War One. She would advise him a lot. He struggled with a lot of depression, and she would, like, kind of help him through that, boost his confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing is, she was so ambitious and so obsessed with her husband that even though they had five children, they people said that they spent very little time with them. So Interesting. Yeah. So she had, let's see, they had one daughter named Mary Gold who died when she was two years old. And that really traumatized Winston and Clementine. So their next daughter, Mary, was born a few years later. I think she was she was their last kid. So they so for her, they decided to raise her differently. Like I think when Marigold died, they kind of realized like, oh my gosh, we're not paying attention to our kids. Like yeah. we need to you know be better parents. And so Mary ends up being the only Churchill child who grew up without like an alcohol struggle or anything. Oh. Yeah. So their oldest daughter died of a drug overdose. In the 60s, their son struggled with a lot of suicide attempts. And their other daughter, Sarah, said married multiple times without her parents' knowledge or approval. Which, I guess, is also an issue. I don't know. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, so yeah, so Mary's the only one who really made it through. She made it. Yeah. (laughs) Go Mary. (laughs) Yeah, but their their schedule was really demanding of Winston, obviously, because he was, you know, trying to be a politician. But they... Spent a lot of time writing a lot of letters. So if you're interested mm-hmm. in their lives, there are a lot of letters. <laughs> like it. Um, Old diaries. Yeah. So she was like his rock that helped him through everything. Um, but they had a very tempestuous relationship, which is 
why their children were so messed up. Um, they, like, the, the stress and their fights became legendary. They're, like, there's some story where Clementine got so mad at him, they're fighting over money that she just hurled a plate of spinach at him. Nice. So, yeah. um, Classy. Good Yeah. Move. So there was a lot of fighting, but they were just both really dedicated to Winston's career. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Interesting. That's what it said. But it says that, so in 1943, he was, he had pneumonia and heart problems, and she flew to be at his side and nurse him back to health so that he could lead the country in crisis. Um so, I mean, I think we all know that Winston Churchill, like, obviously helped Britain through World War II. Um, yeah, brilliantly. Yeah. And um, anyway, so there's a quote that he said, that said to the, on the radio where he says, We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. And um, people, or I don't know, just this one article I read said that, like, that kind of also could apply to his marriage with Clementine. <laughs> like, they, you know, they yeah, were, like, so tempestuous, but they just wanted to be together, and they wanted to make things mm-hmm. work. So, um, yeah, so uh, people consider their romance to be a great romance, um, even though they were it was so difficult, and they were so both so strong will. They would write to each other whenever they were apart and would compu- communicate some of their feelings by letters, even when... They were together just because they were both so angry. And, you know. <laughs> Sometimes a good letter writing is the only way to get through to people. That's <laughs> true. That's true. Um, yeah, so Clementine was, you know, always helping him. Always, He relied on her for everything. Um, and he once told her, I do not love and never will love any woman in the world but you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so if you're interested, one of their daughters actually... Put together, she published a book of all their personal letters. Oh. And it's just called Winston and Clementine, the personal letters of the Churchills. And it's just, I mean, it's like everything. It Because they're talking about, yeah. like, their lives, but, like, also all the political stuff going on. Oh, so, that would be so yeah, good. Yeah, it's really interesting. So you can buy it on Amazon. Uh, maybe we'll, we'll put a link to it if we can figure yeah, that out. Yeah, we should start doing things like that. <laughs> so, yeah. And when I say we, you. Yeah. <laughs> I will figure that out, and I will link things. Um, but yeah, that's that's the Churchills. I love it. I so not to take this back to the Crown, but but how can you? Not? I know John. How do you say his last name? Lithgow. Lithgow? Yeah. His like portrayal, I thought was pretty dang good. Yeah, I I liked it. You yeah. know, and I liked their relationship because I I kind of noticed that in there that they had just kind of this very odd relationship. It was more about the country and his career and almost not person to person, but like this what their legacy was. And all I could think of is like if Hamilton wasn't a musical here. It would be called Churchill over there, and they'd write oh my about gosh. him. Gosh, can somebody make that musical? Right, <laughs> that would be the best. Let's bring it up to what's his bucket? Lynn, shoot. No, he's in everything now. We need. I know. We need, we need someone, someone new and fresh. <laughs> Give us a uh, somebody that's British. Somebody. That's British. <laughs> 
Yes, please, somebody that's been noticed. <laughs> Anybody, write it. Um, if only we knew. The only British person I can think of doesn't write musicals, and she's not actually British. She's Australian. That won't work. <laughs> Pass. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so that's it. What are you talking about today? Me, me, me. Actually, I'm really happy that I went second, because mine. I have a couple of things that kind of tie in with yours. Oh, nice. So, mine... Is the relationship and romance, John Lennon and Yoko Ono. (laughs) Bring it on. Okay. Um, Yeah, no. And it started out as like, why was this so iconic? And it just got bad. So there you go. A little foreshadowing. Okay. So John Winston Lennon was born on October 9th, 1940. In Liverpool, his parents named him John Winston Lennon, John after his grandfather, and Winston for Prime Minister Winston Churchill. Um, John had a, a very interesting childhood, to say the least. He grew up mostly with his aunt because his parents separated and his mom couldn't handle life. <laughs> She kind of sounds like the same as Clementine. Right? (laughs) She just couldn't. And that's in quotes. I don't remember where I saw it, but it was like she couldn't handle it. Was she also a counselor? (laughs) Probably. Well, how about this? John's father was a merchant seaman. So he was gone a lot. And so she was pretty much raising him alone. And also it seemed like John was never sending, like his father was never sending Uh. money. So she was trying to figure out how to take care of him. Oh my goodness, are we recording? Hi! I think Leah's taking oh, yeah. a video of me. <laughs> I, I did. Perfect. Keep going. You were supposed to not notice. Oh, sorry. Do it again. I'll be more. <laughs> Just so candid. Anyway, so come uh, about 11 years old, John would visit his mother. Remember, he's living with his aunt at this time. And she would play for him Elvis Presley records and taught him how to play the banjo. She bought him his first guitar when he was 16 years old, but she was killed a year later after she was walking across the street in a car hit her. Oh, sad. So, like, all this trauma happens in his youth. Yeah, so he's, like, 16, he finally gets his first guitar. So, because of all of this dysfunction, he was a bit of a rebel and school was pretty hard for him. He got accepted to the Liverpool College of Art, but pretty much sucked at school and enjoyed being a bit of a class clown, which got him thrown out before his final year. Awesome. I don't know. The more I read about him, I was <laughs> like, this kid is a punk. But it is here at the Liverpool College of Art where he met his first wife, Cynthia Powell know about her right he met cynthia in 1957 he was 17 going on 18 and she was 18 she was head over heels for the looks of him and his charisma he had the i mean you can just like see it now he was like kind of that bad boy if you've seen a young picture of john lennon i don't think he was very attractive but then again (laughs) the late 50s early 60s was a different time he had a really big schnoz Kind of this messy hair. This was before they got the awful bowl cuts. Oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> so she liked him. He had like a bad boy vibe. Was pretty cute. 
They started dating, and that's when teenage John showed his true colors. He was pretty possessive of her, but also a massive abusive person. Mm. He would beat the shit out of her. Awesome. And something about, like, torturing small animals. Just saying. What? His song, Getting Better. This is the worst love story you've ever told. Right. No, like, when I, like, started, I was all like, oh, my gosh. His song, Getting Better, from the Sgt. Pepper's album, mm-hmm. has the lyrics, I used to be cruel to my woman and physically any woman. I was a hitter. I couldn't express myself, and I hit. I fought men, and I hit women. That is why I am always on about peace. Yep. Well, thanks, John. I guess he was trying to get better. Isn't that I the point of the song? Getting better. <laughs> so, in July of 1962, at the age of 22, Cynthia tells John that she's pregnant. And John's response to this was, There's only one thing for it, Sin. We'll have to get married. <laughs> Did you like my impression? That's the best I had. What year was this? <laughs> 62. 62. I mean, at that point, do you have to get married? Well, apparently John's response was, we'll have to get married. Okay, well, at least... Moral of the story, though, to me, is the reason for getting married, this doesn't... is not a really good reason, right? Oh, no. That's a horrible reason to get married. A happy ending it does not make. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I would not marry somebody if if that was their only reason for marrying me. So they were married August 23rd of 1962. This is just weeks before the the Beatles recorded Love Me Do. FYI, I did not put any of the Beatles stuff in here. I started and I was all like, nope, too much. We're just talking about romance. that's good. I mean, if we wanted to, we could do a whole Beatles episode. We could each talk about a Beatle. Right. (laughs) So just so people aren't like, when is she going to talk about blah, blah, blah in this experience? This isn't about the Beatles. This is just about John Lennon. And his weird relationships. As it should be. As it should be. Um, So they get married, right? August 23rd. That night, he goes out and, like, performs a show. It's not like, oh, we just got married. Blah, blah, blah. He's all, like, gonna go. They don't really need a wedding night. They already 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 knocked out. (laughs) Their marriage was kept secret uh, because their manager, Brian Epstein... Also, a slight homosexual relationship that Lennon had with him um, feared a married Beatle would detract fans. So she would kind of tag along with them as they traveled. She went on like the America tour, but anytime like a groupie or anybody approached her and asked if they were married, she had to say no. Hmm. Yep. Into uh, the years of success with the Beatles, the marriage between the two of them just, like, started to fall apart. Um, It might also be because they found a little thing called LSD. If some people haven't heard about it, uh, it was a big drug in the 60s. (laughs) And also probably why this was the other thing that made me, like, ring to yours, like, the daughter in the 60s that like freaking becomes a druggie is all lsd peeps that makes sense not a good drug i mean i haven't tried it neither do i mean to try it but (laughs) i've heard not good things (laughs) please don't try it right everybody was getting a little help with their friends um it would seem that um other people 
while they were doing this whole LSD thing, people also started to get really uh, introduced to meditation seminars, especially, I'm going to say this wrong, Maharashi Yogi, um, this transcendental meditation. Uh, So they would go to that. So by this time, it's been a few more years. It's 1967. And while that was going on, so, of course, Cynthia had their kiddo. His name is Julian. And in 1967, she goes on a holiday with her mother and Julian to Italy and Greece. And when Cynthia comes home, she finds in her bed Yoko Ono. What? hmm And in November of 1968, they divorce, her and John. John had said that she had cheated on him with some guy out in, oh, I don't remember his name. I wrote it down somewhere, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, in Italy, he ended up being like one of the founders of Apple. She said, he said that, he said, she said, huh. I mean, if she's going to cheat with the founder of Apple, she's doing pretty good. The right? Beatles and then- <laughs> <laughs> so he said that she was sleeping with somebody. She had already caught him with Ono. Like, it was just not doing well. Um, so the freaking LSD, I mean, just shit got real and shit got confusing. So in the end, Lennon gave her a hundred thousand pounds and gave her the custody of Julian. So of course, Cynthia says that why their relationship didn't last was because of Lennon's use of LSD. And she felt like he slowly began to lose interest. Mind you, she never says that she also was doing LSD with him. <laughs> so, there you go. So, I mean, well, I don't know. Yeah, they're they're probably both at fault. <laughs> right? I don't know. So, uh, kind of the big question I was finding was how did Yoko Ono and John Lennon meet? She Wait. disappeared in his bed one day. Until she, right? She just appeared there. So there are multiple versions of this, but I just went with the one that Yoko continues to tell and that the, like, the Lennons had talked about because there's a lot of speculation and whatever. But it was in uh, November of 1966. So remember, she gets caught in bed in 1968 hmm. um, with him. So about two years previous... She was having an art show opening in a London gallery, and the gallery owner introduced them. John was mesmerized and intrigued by her work, and there was a, a piece called Hammer and Nail, and patrons would hammer a nail into a wooden board, creating whatever the art piece would be. But the exhibit... I art like that. I know, right? Interactive. See, it's being made now. I don't know. I'm wearing a black unitard with, like... A silk kimono. Anyway. Um, so, although the exhibit hadn't been opened, though, uh, Lennon wanted to hammer a nail into the board anyway. And pretty much Ono was stopped him. Said, no, you can't do that. It's not open yet. So, instead, he walked over to another piece that was just called Apple. And it literally was just a piece. An apple. And I'm he, not impressed by Yoko Ono's art so far. <laughs> and he just takes a bite of it, which also seemed to piss her off. Yeah, I would be pissed too if I was just playing an apple. <laughs> as my art. <laughs> and he takes a bite out of it. 
So I'm not sure if all this happened because let's remember it's the 60s and there's a lot of drugs going on. We're going to blame it on the really, LSD. Really there was no apple and no board. Right? And so we will never really know how they met. But all I know is, and yes, I did write this down in my notes. They met and soon John was all up in Yoko's oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was so witty. <laughs> It was okay. Thanks. Hey. <laughs> okay, so the couple married in Gibraltar on March 20th of 1969, and they spent their honeymoon at the Hilton in Amsterdam, campaigning with a week-long bed-in for peace. Hmm. That's a fun honeymoon. That sounds like the shittiest honeymoon, but well, okay. okay, it's a week-long in a bed. No, like a bed-in, well, yeah, I guess so, like bed-in, <laughs> but also just like, these are like people that would just... Like chain themselves to oh, like yeah, a yeah, fence no, and no, sit there. Just, and... When you think about spending a week in bed for your honeymoon, that's okay. Right? That's, that's okay. <laughs> they planned another bed in in the United States, but they were denied entry. Mm-hmm. Um, so they held one at the Queen Elizabeth Hotel in Montreal because Canadians are way more nice than us shithole Americans sometimes. Um, well, maybe the Canadians regretted it, right? <laughs> and probably after they were all like, "Oh, oh no." <laughs> This was two years before the Beatles ended up, you know, breaking up. But mm-hmm. Lennon started offering up different versions of the music that he wanted to, you know, put out there. So he has, like, Give give Peace a Chance and the Ballad of John and Yoko came out during this phase. So this is truly, and I think we can really use that term, this is the hippie, yeah, a little too existential high for way too long, and it's all about peace. Which, I mean, peace is great. There's a lot of things... During that time, we're being protested many wars. I just think that maybe John and Yoko went a bit too far. Yeah, with they the... did. Wait, they never had kids, right? They tried multiple times. Oh. And they do have one child. Oh, okay. We'll get there. All right. His name is Sean. <laughs> and he's no, just <laughs> He's still out there. He's actually a musician himself. I mean, how can you not with a name like Sean Lennon and everybody yeah. knows? And here's the other thing. So is Julian. So there's Julian Lennon and Sean Lennon making their, um, their musics out there in the world it. that nobody knows. You watch. Well, I mean, okay, at least they're doing their own thing. It's not like poor Frank Sinatra Jr. who's just <laughs> singing his dad's stuff. That's very true. If you're a famous musician, do not give your kid your same freaking name. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Adele, we know you're listening. <laughs> Okay, sorry. rant anyway, over. <laughs> over. In April, like a month after they get married, John takes Yoko's last name and puts it in his middle name. Henceforth, we have John Winston Ono Lennon. He, though, would for the rest of his life just go by John Winston Ono. Oh, okay. Yep. yep. That's weird. The Beatles went on to make their final album, album together, Abbey Road. During this time, Yoko got in a car accident and had two miscarriages. John was there by her side during all of that. It's really kind of sweet, you know, seeing that after, I mean, he was a complete shithead to Cynthia. It seems like something about Yoko's crazy, like, calmed him down. Yeah, like, there can only be one insane person in this relationship. Right? And so he, like, after that, she gets in a car accident, he, like, gets a bed and sets it up in the studio so that she can be there to, like, be a part, even while she's, like, recuperating and things. Um, 
After the breakup of the Beatles, though, Yoko suggests that they move to Manhattan to get away from any, like, acrimony of the breakup, anything uh, that might still be residual in England. So that was in 1971. They moved to New York City. And then comes the period of time which John labels his long weekend. This long weekend lasted for three years. Why did he call it his long weekend? Because this is when he was lost. His lost oh. weekend. Oh. This is the time that John and Yoko um, decided that things were kind of fizzling and kind of between them and but they weren't going to give up on each other so they engaged in an open relationship in understanding with their assistant may pang oh no set up the arrangement for john and pang to become lovers and move out to los angeles true story but at this point they don't have a kid yet no oh okay okay pang encourages lennon while they're out in la to develop like a better relationship with julian cynthia's son so at this point julian's like 20 right uh, i mean it's 71 and he was born i mean 62 so he's like 15 okay something around there no Uh, if it's 70 that would make him like nine nine okay uh well oh yeah 62 sorry i was looking at 57 um okay, no no i just wasn't sure of the timeline i was like okay if he's yeah. nine and his dad comes back into his life that's kind of a good time i was thinking if you're like 20 who cares yeah. anymore <laughs> no one cares um so so they move out to los angeles ping's like meet up with your son he's all like okay um cynthia comes with him and well okay that okay makes sense though because he's nine nine. going to another country right right when Julian shows up, Cynthia's there, and Cynthia sees John, is away from Yoko, and thought there was another sharp shot for her. So she asked John, can we get back together? Let's get remarried. And or. And or. Wait, so he wasn't married to Yoko? No. Yes, they were married. Oh, so she wants him to get a divorce. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. but he just saw that she, he was over in L.A. She figured things had fizzled. It was yeah. really over. So, Cynthia says, let's get remarried and or just impregnate me so that Julian has a sibling. That's weird. Right? Cynthia, woman. If she married someone else, Julian could also have a sibling. Right? (laughs) Think it through. She always said that she never gave up loving John, though she got married multiple times after him. I mean, I feel like when your relationship is based a lot around drugs, it's probably really hard to know what your feelings are. Right? What are your feelings? That is a good point. Um, John said that's never going to happen. And kind of with that, like, catalyst, so that was like a couple of years into them being in L.A., Peng and Lennon then moved back to Manhattan, get a new apartment, where they have a little extra room for Julian to come visit, but not Cynthia. So time kind of continues. So he's still with Pang for how mm-hmm. long? Three years. His long weekend was three years long. And what's Yoko doing during this? She's just doing her thing. God only knows. <laughs> I don't know. Making art? Maybe she's having she's an affair too? Apples? I don't know. Just leaving an apple. So they're over in New York. Pang and John have their own place. 
Ono starts calling. He's ignoring phone calls. Finally, one day he picks up and they decide, let's meet up. So this is January of 1975. Mm -hmm. He agreed to meet Ono, who had claimed to have found a cure for smoking. You know what the cure is? Okay, stop smoking. <laughs> no, lollipops. I don't know. Nicotine patches. Yoko right? Ono invented nicotine patches. There it is. That's what she was doing in those three years. <laughs> that's, that's a worthy goal. Okay. There you go. After the meeting with Ono, he failed to return home or call Ping. When Ping telephones from the next day, Ono told her that Lennon was unavailable because he was exhausted after after a hypnotherapy session. Okay. Two days later, Lennon reappears at a joint dental appointment. He was stupefied and confused to such an extent that Peng believed that he had been brainwashed. Lennon told Peng that his separation from Ono was now over, although Ono would now, would allow him to consign, would consider having Peng around as his mistress, which Peng was all like, uh, no. Well, okay, I feel like Peng probably couldn't have acted like that high and mighty about it because when she went into it she knew he was married right (laughs) and i mean it was like a joint agreement so i think after those three years may pang finally went you know okay enough is enough so this is where it wraps ono and lennon reunite the couple then attempt to have another child but she has another miscarriage but then becomes pregnant at that time yoko says Yo, John, I'm going to have an abortion, but I'll change my mind if you agree to adopt the role of being a house husband and not, like, housewife, but house husband. You stay at home. Hmm. Okay. And he goes, yep, I'll do it. No abortion. So she has their son, Sean, and he stayed out of the music scene for roughly five years during that first, you know early period of childhood with Sean and then he reappeared in 1980 with his album Double Fantasy that had Yoko Ono on it and then he was assassinated three weeks later. Nobody ever listened to that album did they? I did after I did this research and it's not good. (laughs) (laughs) And the verdict is I have a masters of music I feel like I can judge. (laughs) That's it. That is too kind of weird, weirder, crazy. Weirder than I even imagined. Right? And so by the end, I was all like, kind of just like that. Just just silent. <laughs> but Yoko Ono's still alive right now, right? She is. Has she gotten with anyone else? Or did she... you know? She's still single, I believe. And she, um, but she just kind of came out with an artwork exhibition just a couple of years ago. She, like, kind of fell silent after the whole, like, John Lennon thing. Mm-hmm assassination but i mean come on it's yoko ono she's never been silent you know she yeah. just wasn't making any artwork but she was always talking about like their relationship and things by artwork do you mean eating apples apples and <laughs> nails Sorry. and boards and stuff but i mean she had been married before i mean there was a lot more but i just kind of decided to stick this with just john yeah because okay but plenty important of question is did you listen to music by Sean Lennon or Julian Lennon? I didn't because I didn't find out about Sean until today when I was finishing up my nose. <laughs> oh, okay. So I haven't. Huh, interesting. Do you want to play us a little clip? I, I, I kind of want to. Let me 
Okay, so let's find something, something on Spotify. From Julian Lennon. Something with a lot of hits. <laughs> oh, I don't. I'm not looking on Spotify. I'm looking on YouTube. Should I? Oh. Do you have Spotify? Uh, no. You can use YouTube. That's fine. Okay, John, or no, Julian. Julian. See, the names are too similar. What is this? What is this called? This is called Too Late for Goodbyes. <laughs> Can this now be our intro? Maybe it should be. Or our exit tro. <laughs> actually kind of like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want him to start singing because I can read the lyrics and I oh. just want to hear them. Oh, he does sound like John. He looks like him too. <laughs> um, it looks like he has his own YouTube channel, so if anyone's interested in Julian Lennon. Just give a shout out there. I'm know? actually really into this. It's okay. Now I think it's time we need a little Sean Lennon. Okay. Just so that they have equal weight. I mean, I don't know who I'm more for, Cynthia or Yoko. They both seem very confused women. Why you would be with John? But <laughs> okay. Um. Now we're going to Sean. Ooh, Sean. Oh, Sean. Oh, oh. Uh, uh, how do I turn this volume down? It's a commercial. It's a commercial. Oh, guys, I'm sorry. I don't use YouTube very often, and I don't know how. Okay, okay. Here's, Best here episode ever. This is called Sean Lennon. Parachute. Parachute. He kind of sounds like his dad, too. Yeah. Can you make it any louder? This is as loud as it goes. Okay. I don't think people are going to be able to hear that. Yeah. Look You'll up, have to look it up. Parachute. Yeah. yeah. Sean Lennon. S-E-A-N Sean. But let's face it. His brother Julian is way better. It had a little bit more pep in it. Yeah. Okay. Turn that off. All I right. I love it. So now we know. There you go. I don't know what we know. I don't know what we know. But we know that there were two Julian kiddos. Julian is better. And if you disagree, send us an email. London Fog Podcast at gmail.com. Yes. Mm. And please follow us on Instagram. I want more followers. Yeah. I love Instagram. <laughs> follow us. Yes. So at the London Fog Podcast. That's true. The yeah. London Fog yeah. Podcast. So anyway. I feel like that's good. I feel like that's it. I kind of wanted to ask you a question though. I know. Do you feel like we could announce our next like genre idea of the next episode give people a little oh, yeah. a little taste of That's what's true, coming up we plan them out okay so our next I'm cup so excited about is this one going to be we said battle slash war story yeah like a war war story I yeah. think that the British people have been in many a war um, based on my research for today's episode, a lot of wars I've never heard of. Right? So we'll go back and check into those. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so tune in next week when you hear some war stories, some awesome Yeah, or, people. you know, like, send us some ideas. Cause, yeah, that's what know? I also thought, because sometimes it's kind of hard. 
it is hard. It's always hard. I was just about to complain about how hard it was as soon as we turned this off. <laughs> Why is it so hard? So, All right, guys. We yeah. love you. Thanks for being here with us. Just enjoy a cup. Thanks for being a foggy. <laughs> Thanks for being a foggy. I think it's cute. All right. All, All right. right. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.